Good afternoon. Leviticus chapter 23, we're week number two in the Holy Day series, uh, looking at the feast, uh, the Jewish feast that the Lord proclaimed and uh, sanctioned for the nation of Israel. Uh, this was at the end of their uh, wilderness experience, and God is preparing them to go in to the new land and to hold these feasts and have their calendar that would... Uh, follow through it gives them times and points through the year to always look back and have something to reference things by so last week we learned about the sabbath in week number one and how that god established even from the beginning that he had a sabbath even where he rested but this week we're heading uh, from verse number five is where we'll start in leviticus chapter 23 so if you get your bibles open leviticus number 23 we'll start at verse five let's stand as we read uh, the scripture The Lord's Passover begins at sundown on the 14th day of the first month. Everybody say sundown. sundown. That's the day when the day begins. So the Jewish custom is we our days begin at midnight, but their day begins at sundown. So on the 14th day of the first month. On the next day, the 15th day of the month, you must begin celebrating the fest festival of unleavened bread. This festival to the Lord continues seven days. During that time, the bread you eat must be made without yeast on the first day of the festival. All the people must stop their ordinary work and observe an official day for holy assembly. Everybody say, stop your work. Need to quit working for this. And then for seven days, you must present special gifts to the Lord. On the seventh day, the people must again stop all their ordinary work to observe an official day for the holy assembly. Then the Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. When you enter the land I am giving you, you will harvest its crops, bring the priest a bundle of grain from the first cutting of your grain harvest. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest will lift it up before the Lord so it may be accepted on your behalf. On the same day, you must sacrifice a one-year-old male lamb with no defects as a burnt offering to the Lord. With it, you must present a grain offering consisting of four quarts of choice flour moistened with olive oil. It must be a special gift, pleasing aroma to the Lord. You must also offer one quart of wine as a liquid offering. Do not eat any bread or roasted grain or fresh kernels on that day until you bring this offering to your God. This is a permanent law for you, and it must be observed from generation to generation wherever you live. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we're grateful for your word. God, we pray as we study about your festivals, your feast that you have, in, uh, uh, that you have given to the nation of Israel. And God, we just pray today that we can be able to receive truth from this, this message. God, that the, the truth about these feasts could come out, Lord, to give us rest. Lord, that we could be restored to who you want us to be. God, be with the nation of Israel. We pray for its peace and its safety. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody says, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Holy convocations is what the King James Version reads about these assemblies, points, assembly points where that God calls the nation of Israel to come together, to meet together. 
and have these uh, holy meetings. And these feasts that he's speaking about is for the nation of Israel to have these seasons of rest, these uh, points of rest. And in our culture that we live in, in America, we have holidays that we uh, uh, recognize or that we receive or get days off of work, uh, Christmas, New Year's, we get off uh, Labor Day, hopefully, Memorial Day, Veterans Day. We get all these uh, holidays that we get off from work that we uh, take times and seasons of rest. And how many's grateful for those holidays? Amen. Amen. I, how many likes three-day weekends? Ain't three-day weekends just awesome? I love three-day weekends. I'm sure kids like school. You get spring break. You get fall break. You get Christmas break. There's breaks throughout the year that gives you seasons of rest. So God is telling the children of Israel that he's going to give them these seasons of rest. So the, the first one we read about was the, the, the feast that we're reading about today is the Feast of Passover. And the Feast of Passover we know and recognize as being uh, symbolic to the story of Moses leading the children of Israel out of Egypt and leading them to the Promised Land. And we know the story that uh, happens in, in uh, uh, Exodus where that uh, Moses goes back uh, from living with his father-in-law and he's on ex exile from Egypt and God calls him with the burning bush and he travels back to go back to Egypt to talk to Pharaoh to tell him to let God's people go. And as he goes back to Egypt and he starts declaring to Pharaoh, let God's people go, we all know the story that uh, Pharaoh kindly argues with... Who's the cheapskate that gives washers? In the, the kids didn't even pick them up. They knew better. If kids knew not to pick those up. But as Pharaoh's the Bible says that his heart is hardened. That his heart becomes hardened because he don't want to let his slaves go. And it's not a good thing to own slaves. Look at your neighbor and say, slavery is not of God. Amen. We need to understand that. We need to declare that. The church needs to decree that because the church wouldn't stand up during the beginning years of America and say that slavery was wrong or slavery was sin. The church would uh, talk about it and go back and get verses in, in the Bible to talk about slavery. And they would promote slavery as being a thing that God condoned or God allowed or God wished. But I don't believe it's God's will for anybody to be in slavery. Ernie's the only one who agrees with me. I said it's not God's will for anybody to be in slavery. And a lot of reports you read today that says that there's more slaves in the world today than there's ever been in the history of mankind because, for one, there's more people. A lot of them are sex slaves. So if you go over in, in some of the foreign countries, in India and, and uh, all those uh, South Asian countries there, there's all kinds of sex slavery going on over there. And there's actually sex slavery going on in America that we... A few years ago, we had a missionary. She wound up, she got married and moved to uh, Versailles now. But uh, she dealt with uh, sex slaves that were in Las Vegas. People held not with her permission. These were people that were captured and put into slavery as sex slaves in Las Vegas. Right here in our country. And we ought to speak out against slavery. We should say it's not of God. So as these, 
these feasts are going and there's Passovers there that Moses goes back and when he goes back and he tells Pharaoh, let my people go, and Pharaoh don't want to let his people, the people go because they're his slaves. Free labor is not good. Amen? Amen. Child labor is not good. Amen? I'm not saying don't let your kids work. Work them until their fingers bleed. That's good. It teaches them some ethics in life, and hopefully they'll grow up and work. Amen? Chores will not kill you, youth. I promise you, they won't, they won't kill you. You'll be okay. I had plenty of splinters from firewood. I've cut tobacco. I've housed tobacco. I've, I've planted tobacco. I've done all that. I've read, throwed hay. I've, I've done it all. Picked my brother's corn. I remember that the other night. It came to my memory. I was thinking about going back. And Howie, one year, he was in FFA at school, and they, they allowed him to do like a, this uh, a deal where that he could, he could be part of his classwork to raise a, uh, some acres of corn. So he raised at Dad's place where we usually raise the tobacco. Dad would give it to Howie, and Howie put planted corn down through there, uh, uh, corn for farming, not eating corn for humans, the kind for animals. So he had all his corn, and he was growing it for a class project. And it come time when the harvest was there, and Mom and Dad said, okay, go down there and help him pick it. I was like, that's not my corn. That's his corn. That was his big idea to go and plant all his corn. Let him go pick it. And I had to go help him pick it because that's what you do for your brothers and your siblings. Treat your sister good, Josiah. Amen. So this Passover happens, and, and God tells Moses this, and he goes back, and, and Pharaoh don't want to let it happen because he's got his heart is hardened. And this is a state where we need to look and see that it is possible that our heart can be hardened. Amen? That our heart can be hardened against God and we won't do what He tells us to do because we're at a state where that we can't listen. Amen? So uh, the plagues begin to happen and we know the story where that the first one that Moses goes out and puts his staff in the river and the Nile River turns to blood. Everybody say, that's a miracle. If a complete river turns to blood... That would be scary. If you could go out in Ohio River right now and plant a staff down in there and the whole thing turned to blood, it would freak all of us out. How we would like for your tap water when you go to turn it on and get your coffee in the morning, Donna, how would you like for it to be blood coming out of the tap? That wouldn't be cool, would it? it it's, no, uh-uh. Not, that's not good. So all these things begin to happen and there's just plague after plague that Pharaoh will not listen. He, he absolutely won't listen to what God says and there's flies and there's locusts and there's all these other things that happen. And as Pharaoh, Moses keeps going back to Pharaoh, Pharaoh continually says, no, I'm not going to let them go. They're my slaves and I'm going to keep them because that's what I want to do. Moses eventually gets the last one and the last uh, plague that happens is one that where the, Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, look, you've got to let people go or God's going to kill the firstborn of every person in this nation that's a pretty serious decree so again Pharaoh says no I'm not going to let them go so I'm going to hold them their mind I'm going to do as I wish I don't have to listen to God I don't know what God you're serving but I don't serve him and I don't care what he says and as this happens this night that God gives the children of Israel this promise and he tells them if you will take and get the the choice lamb from your flock and these were slaves these were people that didn't have big herds and gigantic herds and they might have had a little plot of ground to, just enough to sustain themselves to keep themselves alive and you got to think about this that each family and, and God told them and spoke to them and said now go and get a choice lamb and bring it out and sacrifice that lamb 
whenever you sacrifice it, don't eat any of it. Bull it and do all this. It tells them specifically in, in Exodus how this happens. And he tells them to take the blood of that lamb and take and wipe it with hyssop on the doorpost of their house. So it would be like this, Ruby. It would be like Rick going out and hunting, getting him a deer, coming home with a deer, and, and hanging it up in the garage and letting all the blood drain out in a pan and then come over to your house with a, with a pine uh, uh, limb and take it and dip it down in that blood and go to whiten it up and down side of your wall and around your house and your door. Would, I, I don't think Ruby would be going out, man, that's so nice, Rick. That just really gives, it a, it gives this place a really nice feeling, don't it? it just, that wouldn't work. I'd say Rick would be in trouble. But you got to think about the smell of that. And you, just to think about the, uh, if you've ever been around anything like that, little Marky hunts, I mean, you, you, that smell, whenever you're, you're gutting an animal, just, it, it's nasty. It, it, it just stinks. And you got to think about that there was at least 2 million people in slavery here. And they, some people estimate upwards of 6 million. So we'll take the low amount, 2 million. Say each household has four people. That's 500,000 lambs getting slain in a single day. That's amazing to think about how much that smell would be. But what bothered me the most was thinking about these little kids, the Israelite little, little Jewish kids that was running around there in Egypt. And, and imagine just having your own little pet lamb that was out there in the yard and it was like the, the newborn that year and it was like your pet. And I can't imagine a little boy sitting there with his little pet and the dad saying, no, God says we've got to sacrifice it. When's the last time you had to give something you loved? This little boy can't imagine the fear, the anxiety, the hurt. And somebody saying, because God said, really? Why? There's a lot of times in our life we ask God why. Amen? Is there anybody else guilty of that in here but me? We ask God why because we don't understand and it doesn't make any sense. We've never done this before, God. We've never had to offer our lamb. We've never had to wipe the blood on our house. This don't make any sense, God. But God says, if you do this, I promise you, when the death angel comes through at midnight tonight, he will pass over your house. And your firstborn son will live. That's a promise. Amen? So all of Israel does this. And they, they, they go through with this, this uh, 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 process that God tells them. And they, they do this and they wipe the blood on their doorpost. And I can just imagine the, the, it gets sticky and it begins to, whatever the word is, coagulation. I don't even know what that means. That's a word that I've heard in the hospital before. It's what blood does. That's all I know is it coagulates. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, coagulation. Yeah. That just sounds, you sound very uh, uh, medical when you're saying that. It's, it's one of those big words. But this, this blood just drying and, and smelling and, and just nasty and the whole nation being this way. But the death angel comes at midnight that night and it goes throughout the land and the Bible says that God uh, uh, made this uh, a provision for the nation of Israel that the Jews, if they would do this thing, if they would wipe this blood on their doorpost, whenever the death angel would come through, it wouldn't be able to enter the house to take the firstborn son. It would have to pass over those homes. So this is the thing, and you hear it said all the time that, that my mom, and I've heard many Christians say this, that you need to plead the blood of Jesus over your life. You need to plead the blood of Jesus over your home. 
Amen. You need to plead the blood of Jesus over our church. That we declare that Jesus' blood will cause the enemy to pass over. He, do, he can't gain entrance to us across the bloodline. Amen. The blood is powerful. The old t songs uh, that we sang in church, you know, uh, there's power in the blood. There's some of those old songs I just think about that, that we don't sing anymore. And a lot of these new, new style songs, you don't hear a lot about the blood in those songs because it's kind of gory, it's kind of eerie, and we don't understand it. But there's power in the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. He is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. So it's, it's amazing that this Passover happens and, and all these people are saved in Jewish, but the, uh, the very Pharaoh himself, the leader of Egypt, loses his own firstborn. And when this happens, he gets sad and he gets mad and he gets frustrated and he says, Moses, get your people and get them out of here. I don't even want to see you anymore. Get your stuff and get out. It's the final straw. So Moses tells all the people, gather your things. Let's get out of here. It's our chance. God has given us a free freedom to go, and we'll go back in the land that he promised Abraham. So all of Israel gathers up all their stuff, and they take off out through this land, and they're heading towards, uh, over towards the, the Red Sea. And as they get close to the Red Sea, they're getting out there, and they're, they're having to uh, set up camp, and they're, trying, they're kind of on the run, and they're afraid that Pharaoh's going to come and attack them. So they're trying to go quickly. You don't want the enemy chasing you down. Amen? And as they travel along and they're going along, they can't set up camp and, and, and make all this food that they'd normally been eating. They, they had to make these special kind of, of, of flatbread, basically. It's like my dad makes drop biscuits. Anybody ever had a good drop biscuit? Drop biscuits are good, but if that's all you could eat, eventually they'd get pretty boring, wouldn't it? So dad makes drop biscuits, mom makes these big fluffy biscuits, or I like even the ones that you pop out of the can that you can tear apart and little looks like little sheets of paper that comes off. Those are really good. I like those. That's, you know, you can put some uh, uh, jelly or something on there, jam on that. Man, that just sounds good, don't it? This is getting better all the time. So they're traveling and they can't, they cook, can't cook any of this, this uh, fancy bread. They gotta cook this uh, flat bread. And this mom still eats these things. They look like pancakes. I don't know, I call them Jesus bread. She has dad to cook her Jesus bread. And I don't know, it's just like a, uh, looks like eating a, a, what's the thing that you go to a, a Mexican restaurant and get a tortilla. That's about what mom eats. That's her, her bread. She likes, I call it Jesus bread. But this is what the Jewish people were doing. As they were going, they were having these, these cakes, basically, that they were baking, and it was called um, unleavened bread. There was no yeast in it. It wouldn't rise. And the next feast that we, we look at in Scripture here that it talks about is the, the feast of unleavened bread. So Jesus first initiates this Passover, and then he talks about that there's going to be a feast of unleavened bread. Jesus even told in a sermon one time that a little leaven leavens a whole lump. And he was, he was uh, picturing that with sin, that sin will take over. It will, it will, it will uh, grow and it will continue to grow. And, and just a little sin, you know, that's the way it is. And the, there was an Old Testament prophet that said, the, I think it was Jeremiah, that said the little or the foxes spool the vines. The little foxes will spool the vines. And, and it, it's just like these little things in our life. If we just allow something small to, to get by, well, I can get by with that this time. And, and it, it didn't really hurt anybody or hurt anything. and it never. But a little laven will laven the whole lump. 
Amen. A little bit of yeast in your life or a little bit of sin in your life will continue to grow and eventually it will take over your entire life. We've got to be careful. So Jesus initiates this feast. It says that for uh, the, the first day of this, after the 14th of the Passover, the next day you're going to have this feast of unleavened bread. So for, for uh, all these days of this week, this next eight days or whatever, you're going to eat these unleavened bread. They was pretty lucky that they had unleavened bread. Because as they're traveling over and they get the Red Sea, and we know the story where God opens the Red Sea and they go across on dry ground and then the water comes back and it floods and it, co it covers all Pharaoh's army and they all die. A few years ago I seen an article online that was talking about that they, they found these Egyptian uh, uh, tools of, of war, these, these uh, weapons of war at the bottom of the Red Sea that proves that it did happen. It's not just a, an account in God's Word like it's some fiction story. It really did happen. There's proof of it out there. So when they got on the other side and, and, and they had been living in Egypt and they, they, had it, they had it rough as slaves, but it wasn't absolutely terrible. So when they get on the other side and they get in the wilderness, they begin to complain and say, well, Moses, why are you done taking us out here because they end up in a desert? And Moses takes them through the desert. Or did you bring us out here to die, Moses? They begin to complain. And they say, what are we going to eat, Moses? We're running out of food. Even your unleavened bread is running out. They don't have no wheat. They don't have no fields. They're in the middle of this big desert. Can I tell you, whenever you're running into a season of your life and it seems like everything is gone and all hope is lost and there's no way out and you don't understand why or you're out here in the middle of this wilderness experience and it's just, it happens. It's seasons of life. Whenever you get there, don't complain. Somebody say amen. Because that's what we all do. When we get out there and it seems like we're drying up and it seems like we're in a wilderness experience that we're in the middle of a desert, it seems like that's the time where we say we start blaming everybody else. Moses, why'd you bring us out here? Pastor Ben, why'd you bring us up here? Why are we out here like this? Because God said. That's why. And whenever God says go, guess what you better do? You better go. So they're out here in the middle of this wilderness and they, they start griping and bickering and complaining and, and God says, okay, uh, Moses, I'm going to give them something to eat. I'm going to give them manna. We know the story, right? That God rains down manna. In the middle of the night, every night, manna rains down from heaven. They get up the next morning and there's a bunch of this manna laying around. It's not like bread. This Jewish guy, what did he say? Leslie on that one video I was watching. said it's like, uh, they don't even know really what it is. It's it just, I don't know if it's like mushrooms or what. It's just like it pops up overnight. That's what I think about when I think about it. It's mushrooms. Maybe they're just chewing on a big mushroom. I don't know what manna was. What's this is what they said. But they ate it because that God provided them that. So just a few days into that, after their bellies got full of manna, they continued to eat manna. Then they began to complain. Moses? What are you doing? You got us out here, and now all we're doing, God gives us this manna every day. So now they begin to complain about the manna that God gave them. Does this sound familiar? It sounds like us, doesn't it? Every time God supplies us with something or, or provides for us, we complain about it just shortly thereafter. So here they are complaining, and God said, okay, now he sends quails. Remember the story. So all these quails come. Now they're all eating quails, and, and it says that they ate so much that they got sick because they ate so many quails. 
Then they got on out there a little bit farther in the middle of this desert, and they're out there, and they run out of water. Now, Moses, you brought us out here. We're going to thirst to death. And we've, we've got this manna. We've got quail. And, and now what are we going to do, Moses? Moses said, okay, God's going to give us water. And this is where Moses gets in trouble, and he hits the rock, and water gushes out. So now they have water. The basis of this story is that God provides for his children. We are not alone. He is the provider. And these feasts that he's proclaiming to the children of Israel is to cause them to remember where God brought them from. Where can you think about right now that God has brought you from? Has he brought you out of sin? Has he, has he freed you from the burden of sin that had you weighed down in this life? A little laven will laven the whole lump. So out here they've been eating this manna for 39 years. They don't get quail all the time. That was just part of the story. But they're living on this manna for 40 years. 40 years. Mark, can you imagine? What if I told you today that we're starting this new custom at Bethesda and you're not allowed to eat anything but Cheerios? No milk and no sugar. For 40 years, we're going to eat Cheerios. How many thinks that would get sickening pretty fast? I mean, I mean, I like Cheerios and stuff, but if I I could imagine just chewing on that, you you know how they get dry and all that, and you're like, you don't have enough water. It'd be man, you'd be chewing, your mouth getting dry, and you're like, God, I've got to eat this to stay alive. I'm going to, but it's getting old. It's getting really old. Look at your neighbor say, this is getting old. It's getting old. So, so you're chewing on this. I, I just hope that picture just sticks in your mind right now. And I hope you can. I hope your mouth just, your taste buds just caused you to think about what it would taste like to eat Cheerios for 40 years. It'd be a parched. It'd be nasty, and you'd be like, "Man, I'm sick of eating these Cheerios. It's awful." And out here in the middle of this wilderness, and it's like, "This is crazy." 40 years, God, you promised us. Now look what we're doing. It was cause of their own rebellion. The reason they stayed there 40 years. It would have took them about a seven-day trip, I think, most people say. It took them about a week if they had paid attention and let God show them where to go. But no, we won't travel around around St. Mountain for 40 years. Sound like anybody familiar? Does the same thing over and over again and expecting a different outcome? Well, boy, it seems like I've been here before. We just keep on marching, just go right on around the hill again, get back and be like, yeah, that looks like I've seen that right there before. And that's our life. We don't do anything new. We don't try anything different. We don't try to step out and listen to God and hear what he says to do. And we just keep going by the same old journey of life, the cycle of life. I go by, it seems like I've, I've, I've let that sin go and I'm going to get away from it. And I'm getting away from it. And I'm going around through here and I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I'm staying clean. And next thing you know, it feels like a magnet. And I go right by that mountain again and there they go. Well, you know, I'm right back in the same sin I was in before. It's the cycle of life. This manna, man, to taste the same thing for 40 years. What would that be like? One food for 40 years. Just crazy. And here God's telling them about these feasts after they've been doing this for 40 years. We know what Thanksgiving is. How many loves Thanksgiving? turkey, stuffing, mashed potatoes, rolls, 
Come on now. I mean, just think about the, the feast that we have. Every one of us ends up eating like at two or three different people's house, and it's like, man, we get so tired of Thanksgiving. By the end of it, we're like, oh, man, I just stuffed, and I ate way too much. And here God's talking about a feast in the middle of a famine. He's talking about feast when they're eating manna. It amazes me. But God says, in the land that I'm taking you, it's going to be a land of plenty. But here's the next feast that he tells them about in our story that we just read. That as we look, it's the, the, the celebration of the first harvest. As God tells them, as they, as they get into this land, and, the, and when you first get into the land, whenever you go in there and you raise your first crop and all this wheat begins to grow up out of the ground and you've been used to this manna, can you imagine the taste of that manna in your mouth right now? I'm just wanting you to imagine this with me. That taste is there. It's like old and, man, I don't want to eat this anymore. And he says, the first season where the tap, that wheat begins to go out of the ground, the first wheat that you get, I want you to take it, I want you to cut it, and I want you to sheave it up. I want you to put it in and collect it like they do the corn stalks. You see it at, at, at Halloween time around here. And I want you to put it in these sheaves, and I want you to take it, I want you to wave it before the Lord, and you're going to offer it to Him. Man, we wouldn't want to give it to God, would we? Be like, God, do you know what that would taste like if I would churn that up and make that into flour? And make me a big, old, greasy, tall, yeast-filled biscuit. Do you not know, God, what that would taste like after I've been eating manna for 40 years? And the first chance I get to eat a big biscuit, you're going to tell me you want it? It's the truth. I'm telling you today, if you want rest in your life, if you want total restoration in your life, you got to offer him your best. You got to offer him your first. You have to offer him your life. And the minute you say, God, whatever you say, I'll do it. You point me in the direction. You give me the command. And I'll do it. I'm telling you, restoration will come to your soul. These feasts are important to us today. And we can look and say, well, those were Jewish feasts. That was, that's just for the nation of Israel. That's for somebody else. He told us this is for out all generations, no matter where you live, do these things. And we talked a few years ago, Leslie and myself, we was down in Middlesboro, Kentucky, pastoring at church, and we had a, a Jewish rabbi to come to our church, and, and he actually done this uh, uh, Passover feast. We actually prepared the actual Passover feast just like the Jewish people would do. He even made us get the, what's it called, the kosher. We had to get everything kosher. He wouldn't allow anything to come in that wasn't uh, killed the right way and all this stuff. And, and wind it up, we let the chicken sit under the sink for too long and it stunk forever. And the kitchen in the church was like, man, what smells around here? Somebody had stuffed the kitchen in or boxes up underneath this table and nobody had found it. It stunk up the whole church forever. Yeah, it was forever. I mean, it stunk too. But during this feast, the Passover feast, there's all these things that goes on. There, there's this plate that's got all these different things on it, like horseradish. Anybody like horseradish? You're weird. That's, if you like horseradish, something's wrong. You're just weird. I'll just, 
Maybe, maybe that's my personal opinion. I don't know. I think it's weird. You're just nasty. Come on. So they have horseradish. They have these bitter herbs, parsley that leaves. And these parsley leaves, and everything's symbolic of stuff. So these parsley leaves on a, on a Passover feast, you take and you dip it down in some salt water, and you eat it. It's sour. It's nasty. It don't bring you any joy. And you're not sitting there chewing on it and thinking, man, I love the taste of this. It's nasty. And it reminds them about their slavery. Everything on that plate symbolizes something to remind them where God brought them from. So the Passover, and we'll do that. We'll, we're talking about that next year. We're going to put that on the agenda. We're going to get that. that uh, he lives in Cincinnati. He's a Jewish rabbi. Uh, believes in Jesus. He's a, a believer. Masonic Jew. And he, he, we'll get him to come and we'll actually do an actual Passover feast next year. I promise. We'll do it. It'll be awesome. And you'll, you'll learn so much from it. But this Passover feast is what Jesus actually ate for the Last Supper. We've all seen the picture of Jesus sitting there with his 12 disciples, and they're all lined up around the table, you know. And we know the story in the New Testament where Jesus uh, had his 12 disciples there, and they ate the Last Supper the night before he dies. It was after 6 o'clock they partook of this supper. And by 3 o'clock the next evening was actually the true Passover day. It was coming the next evening. But Jesus had his Passover meal early because he knew trouble was coming. And in the Talmud, it gives them an option that they can do the Passover a day before or a day after and still keep in Jewish custom. So here they are, Jesus eating this with his 12 disciples because it's a troubled time. And at 3 o'clock the next day, all the children of Israel comes to Jerusalem. Everybody in Israel comes to Jerusalem for these feasts. Still today, the, Israel, the Jewish people will come together in Jerusalem for these feasts. They don't sacrifice anymore, but in Jesus' day, they were still sacrificing. And can you imagine Jesus going through all these things that you're hearing about in your scriptures, you're reading the story of the last days of Jesus. The Pilate takes him. He beats him. The soldiers kick him. Passion of the Christ, the movie, we've all seen it, right? They took the cat of night tails and whipped him. At the very same moments that all these things are happening to Jesus, the children of Israel are gathering their lambs, taking them, and they're slaying these lambs by the thousands on the very same day. And the way they did this amazing because the high priest would be out there involved in these uh, sacrifices and it was usually that it had to be finished by 3 o'clock the last lamb had to be slain by 3 o'clock in the day because Passover's coming at sundown and as they were slaying all these lambs and all these things happened Roman soldiers are dragging a beaten, bruised Jesus through the streets. And they're taking him towards the hill called Golgotha. And they hang him up there early that morning. And at 3 o'clock that very day, the Lamb of God, takes away the sin of the world 
Bible says he gave up his spirit. He gave up the ghost. And at 3 o'clock, he says these words, It is finished. The actual high priest in the temple at 3 o'clock, the very last lamb, when they sacrificed the very last lamb, the high priest always says at 3 o'clock, It is finished. Jesus' blood washes us clean. It's the blood of Passover that we would take and we would wipe to our doorpost of our house to say, God, pass over my family. Pass over my church. Pass over my life. Put it on the doorpost of your heart. Let's if you come and play. These feasts matter. These restful times that God gives us as holy days are still applicable to us. Now, I'm not telling you to go out and buy a lamb and take off and go do sacrifice, and I'm not saying that. But they're symbolic to some things that you need to do in your life today. What I believe we need to do today is give up on our lives and say, God, I'm tired of trying to fix it. I'm going to give it to you. I think we need to offer ourselves and to say, I'm sick of crossing that mountain, God. I'm sick of this mundane life that I'm coming right back into the same thing over and over and over again. Not everybody struggles with the same thing. Some people's addictions are alcoholism, some other are pornography, some are, there's all these different issues of life, of sin, things that separate us from God. And everybody's is different. And I just want to know today. If you'll just stand with me. want you to close your eyes and just just think about Jesus Christ and all he's done think about the Passover lamb
lift your hands and just sing that one more time. Let's just sing it really loud. I want everybody here singing. I don't care if you can sing or not. God hears your voice. He knows your heart.
you follow God's voice, if you listen to His direction, if you listen to His instruction, there were some people that were standing in that crowd that day as Moses was declaring these words in Leviticus chapter 23 and he was declaring them over Israel. And God said that everybody previously when they had rejected God's word and they had to travel this 40 years in the wilderness, he said anybody 20 years old or down will be the one that inherits the land of promise. And here we are 40 years later. There's people 60 years old standing in the crowd. As Moses hears God declare these things that I will give you feast. These were people that had lived on manna for 40 years. And they were getting ready to go to this new place. And I just sense right now that God is taking us on this journey as a church. And I'm ready for a newness, for a freshness of God. And I think there's some people in this room that you're going, to, that you're going into this, this new season of life and you don't understand and you've never, you never stepped foot across the, the Jordan River yet. But I'm telling you, the day and the hour that God releases you to walk into your future, into this destiny He has for over your life, you're going to have feasts that you've never had before. You're going to experience things that you've never experienced before. And I'm just, I'm just praying right now and, and, and I just sense that the power of God is here. And He's asking us if we're willing to sacrifice our lives and lay down what we want for what He wants, we can cross that river. We can go to a new place. And it's a land flowing with milk and honey. How many is tired of the pain and want some joy? Amen? I'm ready for some joy in my life. And I'm ready for some joy in this church. Amen. Where that God releases us to a new season, Greg, that we get a walk in the abundance of what He declares over us according to His Word. He will establish our goings. I believe God's Word is true. And I'm telling you, it's a new day. It's a new hour. And I'm ready. I'm ready. I want the feast of God. Amen. I want the harvest that he tells us about. I'm ready for lost loved ones of people in this room. How many knows somebody in your family that you would love to have sitting beside of you right now? He will give us the harvest. He says, you've got to offer me the first. Let's pray for the lost right now. And the Bible tells us that we are to pray for the labors to go forth and get the harvest. Let's pray for some labors right now that God would, would let some boldness rise up in us that we could go out and declare what God says. Amen? That we would be bold as lions, but as harmless as a dove. Amen? I'm ready to see your family saved just as much as you are. And God's desire, it says in His Word, he, he promised it to Peter. He said, it's not his will that any perish, but that all would come to repentance. That's God's word. Let's pray. Father, I thank you right now. Won't you grab somebody's hand beside of you? We've got to agree this, touch this. 
Father, I agree right now over every person in this room. Lord, as they touch, as they link hands right now. God, we are we are declaring, God, that your word is true. And Lord, you don't want anybody to perish. You don't want anybody in hell. And Lord, in our families, in our, in our homes, God, Lord, there are people that are destined for that place if they don't change, if they don't sense you moving in their life. And God, we just ask right now that you send your Holy Spirit, that you would draw all men to yourself, God. That, that it wouldn't be about Bethesda. It's not about our church, God, but it's about your kingdom. And God, we pray right now that all these people that they're praying for right now. God, that they would walk in. And Lord, that they would have a, a sense, a hunger, God, to know more about you. And Lord, that you would awaken their heart. Lord, that they wouldn't be like Pharaoh, that they wouldn't harden their heart. But Lord, you said that you could break up the fallow ground. And right now we declare, declare and decree, God, we believe, God, that you're on the move in our midst. And God, we want this new day, this new hour. Lord, that we see our loved ones saved and, and that it was set free, God. Lord, we place the blood over their life right now. Lord, we place the blood of Jesus. We, we declare it over their life. Lord, that your, that your word would go forth, Lord, and it would establish that it won't return void. Give us boldness to speak when you have us to speak. Lord, I pray for open doors. Lord, I pray when these people in this room get home, it, within this week, God, I pray that you open doors for opportunities, God, that they can speak. Lord, that they can speak about your word. Lord, that they can speak about the testimony of what you've done in the lives of the people in this room. Lord, that you've set people free from addictions, God. Lord, that you've broken down strongholds. God, you've making new lives in this place. Let them testify of your goodness, God. Open doors. In Jesus' name. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God loves you. Love God and love people in all areas of your life. Amen. You're dismissed. Love on somebody before you go. Have a good Thanksgiving, everybody.